this is Alec. And this is Ellen. And this is our podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic, where we talk about all things books. This week, we are reading The Cerulean Queen. Uh, it is book four in the Nine Realms uh, quartet. Um, and it's the last book in the series. Um, <laughs> you doing okay with that over there? You know, I just want to let you know, Alex, that I hate this podcast so much. Just kidding. But because normally where we were, we meaning me, the royal we, I guess. Before this book, everything ended fine in the third book. Everybody was relatively safe. So if Ellen was not reading this for the podcast, she'd wait like a year to read the last one, <laughs> at least, if not more. Um, if not, maybe just never read it because then the characters <laughs> right. would be fine where they were forever. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yet, because of this podcast, I had to read it. And so now I'm sad, but also I'm really glad I read it because, oh my God, it was so good. Um, <laughs> no, um... It's just, you know, pushing me, pushing my, you know, my sense of security. It's challenging me. We're going to call it a new and exciting experience. No, I'm mostly, though, I'm really excited to talk about this book. Um, so in this book, we are, it's the, it's sort of the end of her story. It, she's, is she going to get into power? How is that going to go? Do people want to see her in power? Um, if you guys haven't read the book, here's our little spoiler alert. Um, we talk about it in depth. So if you don't like spoilers, pause here, go read it, come back, join the discussion. And if you don't care about spoilers, I don't get it, but join us. <laughs> We don't understand you at all. We don't. Not relate in any way. No, we don't get it, but it's it is what it is, I guess. Um, okay, Alex, I cannot wait a moment longer. I we have to talk about this book, but first, who was your favorite character? This one was really easy for me with this book. For me, it was hands down Cerulea. I loved watching her come into power and come even more into her own mm -hmm. and I liked that it wasn't perfect and you got to see her really try to figure it out and figure out how do I lead and how do I lead within the current structure of government of my country yeah. and try to learn from my mother's past mistakes as well as you know everything that she gleaned right over the past couple of years um you know and learning from Willem and how he dealt with people and yeah. situations of trying to you know calm the situation versus watching Thalen and how he mm -hmm. um I guess how he led the raiders and you know taking all of those experiences you can really kind of see that mm -hmm. in the way that she is leading. And the, I really like the fact that she doesn't just do everything. She really takes others' opinions into consideration, mm -hmm. which I 
is a really critical component of being a good leader. Absolutely. So I, I really liked watching that unfold for her. Yeah. Absolutely. What about you? So I had two favorite characters. I couldn't pick. Um, unsurprisingly, okay. one of them was Cerulea. She's been my favorite, you know, either by herself or with someone else in all of the other books. So it should be no surprise to anyone that <laughs> she okay. was also my favorite in this book. But I had a surprise favorite in this one. Um, I mean, no. I just, I was surprised that I hadn't thought about her as a favorite before this. Um, but Stalia was my other favorite character in this book. Um, she's just such a wonderful, steady, um, and like caring, but also honest and just good human. And, you know, really... Of course, we talk about, or they talk about also, we too. But, you know, of course, Cerulea had her mother, Cressa, but she only had her for eight years, you know? And, like, Stalia is her mother. Like, she raised her into adulthood, and, like, she's just such a wonderful, steady human being, and so supportive, and so um, caring but without being foolish in her caring, you know, like, you know, I just, I was like, how, how had I not seen this before? Like where, you know, it's like in Beauty and the Beast <laughs> when there's that, there's something, something that's, what's the call, song called? Something There, I think is what it's called. You know, okay. there's something there that wasn't there before. That's a little bit how I was feeling with Stalia in this book. I was like, oh. Wait a second. I can't believe I never even considered her before. So It's a whole new world. It's whoa, look at all the Disney movies we're talking I about. Know. <laughs> Crazy with our Disney song references right now. Oh my gosh, we're so cool. I, mean, I wonder if part of that is she's more prominent in this so book. Much more, yeah, yeah. Character you just see her a more. More prominent role, and you see her so yeah. much more, so you get to know her more. That's that's probably very true. Because I, I of course liked her in all the other books too, um, but yeah, this one was. Yeah, we got to really. That's probably true. Um, we just got to delve into her character more. Um, yeah, but yeah. So those are my two favorites. Um. What was your favorite part? So, I didn't have a favorite part, but instead I wanted to talk about my least favorite part <gasps> of the book. Ooh! And again, similar to most of my favorite parts, how it's parts, not a okay. actual part. Um, I'm really hoping that it's not my favorite part. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm in the hot seat all of a sudden. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs>
when they got a broadsheet, and what do you know, the bottom about, you know, the information about Cerulea's power was completely blotted out by ink. Right. He doesn't know. And then the next time, he's thinking, you know, he's at the solarium, and he's thinking he's going to write a letter to the queen to see if she actually is uh, Skylark. Right. And then all of a sudden, he gets distracted by these Oro deserters, and so he doesn't write the letter. And with that instance, I had a very visceral, like, bodily reaction in terms of, like, being like, oh, shit, like, something bad's going to happen because they aren't able to communicate and find out, you know, he he hasn't figured out who she is yet, and that's going to be such a big problem. And, oh, my God, why? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. I I was reacting so to this like I just had such a bad feeling and then the worst one I think even worse than that was the letter the note yeah. that she gave to what the Chamberlain I guess yeah what you would call him Vilti Vilki Vil yeah Vil whatever I, I his name is after finding out that he didn't deliver this important message directly from the queen but it was an accident Right, but it's his job not to forget shit like that. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but it's anyways, also... <laughs> like, at least nothing happened like I thought it would, and, and it all ended up... I mean, not all ended up okay, but they, they eventually... Don't worry, I have, a, I have a big whole note about that whole scene. ...met each other, but I just... I don't know why I was having such trouble, and it gave me such anxiety... And I was so frustrated and stressed out about (laughs) those sections that I just wish they didn't happen because then I would have, you know, reading the book would have been so much easier and I wouldn't have struggled so much. That's so funny. So that's why they were my least favorite parts because I think they really just, uh... Maybe increase increase my blood pressure a little bit. A little bit. There. Sure. Sure. So, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. What were your favorite? What was your favorite part? So, um, mine were kind of a little bit of a collection. I had originally written down that her uh, speech at the fountain was my favorite part. Um, and then I kind of realized that it was actually any time she was really stepping into her queenly role. So it was like her first speech after the Battle of the Throne Room, the speech at the Fountain, and then the four days worth of celebrating that they did at the end um, um, were just like my favorite. Like, I just loved seeing her being the just and fair leader that she is because of the people that she's known and, and been around. Yeah, um, exactly why she's my favorite character in yeah. this book. Like, really, those instances Absolutely. are um, so great to watch. But I'm also so going to quickly say, because the fact that I don't have just a single one and I already have a theme, I'm just going to tack on. Um, I loved the part where she snuck out of the castle to go to the tavern, and she just spent the evening with the raiders. And I was like... I just love that so much um, because they've been all they've all been through so much. And then to again, like I felt in the 
the last book to actually have them have an unhurried reunion where they got to actually enjoy the reunion and um and just not be hurried into it was just beautiful and they had that wonderful like it was just icing on the cake i was i so we'll just pretend that those are just two favorite parts and not like the majority of the book okay (laughs) (laughs) um alex did you have any favorite quotes so i did but here's the problem okay so i read this book through the library as an ebook okay on the libby app and on the Libby app, you can only rent ebooks for seven days, and then they get returned. Actually, that's and that's just through the Racine Library. <laughs> other libraries let you rent them longer. Yeah, up here in Minnesota. I'm Min- gonna have to talk to the Racine Library. Up, this is bullshit. Up here in Minnesota, we've got 21 days. Yeah. That changes everything. <laughs> I wouldn't have any problems. Oh. Okay. to the book on Libby and then I can tell you my favorite quotes because otherwise they're 
they're gone. Oh, no. Well, I, I certainly hope that because I want to hear and I'm sure everybody else wants to hear. Um, so I have two favorite quotes okay. <laughs> as well. Um, you actually know them. <laughs> and I do I do have them written down. Um, and it's actually really funny because they are both in about the same part of the book. Um, it comes where, when, uh, Cerulea is asking Marco to be on her council. Um, and it also comes at about the time that, uh, Persia is still mad at Cerulea for not telling her that, uh, she was the, the, the princess. Thankfully she was not mad at her because she blamed her for her dad's death, which I was super worried about, as we all know. Um, <laughs> but the first one comes after, uh, it's on page 109 of the paperback versions. Um, but it comes after Marco. Um, um, she offers the position to Marco, and he basically turns it down because he's like, I'm the son of a traitor. Like, why would you want me to be on your council. And she says to him, you are more than the sum of your connections. You are your own person and I can trust you. Um, and I just thought it was such a beautiful sentiment. Um, it's a true sentiment, of course, but it also just, um, it, um, it's so true, right? It's, it's, it's oftentimes we can, we can carry, um, the, the guilt or baggage or whatever you want to call it of our parents or other people around us and, um, worry that that affects us in some intrinsic way. And it doesn't. Um, so I just thought that that was a really beautiful, um, sentiment, um, in general, but especially of a new queen to a potential, um, counselor um and then my next one is shortly afterwards where they're discussing persia being angry with cerulea because of course marco and persia are married and he's like i'm sorry she's mad at you basically <laughs> and cerulea has this beautiful moment where she she talks about how when she was keeping the secret she only thought about how hard it was for her and didn't think about the secrets for other people right so, um, my, so this one, unfortunately, is a little bit like a passage, but I'm going to read it really quick, and it's going to be great. So it starts on page 110. So, like, literally, they're a page apart. <laughs> my two favorite quotes here. Um, but it starts, Secrets are corrosive, she said. For years, I knew the toll that keeping so many secrets took on me, but I didn't stop to consider fully how much their revelation would crush other people. As much as secrets hurt the one who keeps them, they also hurt the ones who have been deceived. With a sense of betraying his wife, Marco commented, but as I understand the situation, you didn't have a choice. No, said the young queen, I had no choice whatsoever, but it is always a mistake not to take the measure of the pain of others. Even if one is helpless to alleviate their suffering, one must give it the respect it deserves. Um, and also I was like, first of all, I was like, Dang, she is so smart and wise. And she, like, because the other side of it is, having come into contact with all of these people, she could have very well not metabolized their their lessons that they had to teach her, whether um, directly or indirectly. But she didn't. She sat. She watched. She metabolized all of this stuff. and And it would be so easy for her to be like, 
she's my sister. Why doesn't she just understand that I didn't have a choice? But she, again, doesn't. She makes that space for the feelings that Percy is having, which I think ultimately is what enables them to move past it is because she doesn't come back at her like, why on earth are you mad at me? I had no choice in the matter. She gives her the space to feel the feelings, to work through the feelings, and then they get to be beautiful sisters, you know? So um, that was my second favorite quote. I like it. Thank you. I like it a lot. I I definitely enjoyed that passage yeah. as well immensely when reading it and was very moved by it too um so, you can call I that your favorite you can fa- call favorite. that your favorite quote if you want to <laughs> you can share mine oh <laughs> generous you're such a generous thank you Ellen. okay so well, you are actually but. oh my gosh thank you um mm-hmm. so before we really dive into this book sure. i just want to say when i read so you know how the book that you know they're set up into time frames, right? And thankfully, the author gives us wonderful um, notes at the beginning of each new time frame, <laughs> which is super helpful when you're jumping time frames to like know how much time has passed. But let me tell you, the feeling of rage that I had in my body when I opened to the first page and it said, "The reign of Queen Cerulea, the first days." I had this kind of visceral reaction where I was like, are we not going to even get to see any of the good stuff? Like, (laughs) are we not going to get to see her claiming her throne? I have been waiting for her to confront Matwick. And I was like, what? (laughs) I had an extremely similar reaction where I was like, I saw that. And I was so confused. I was like, wait, how how is this possible? Like, she still has to take the throne. And doesn't taking the throne take, like, planning and time and stuff? Like, she can't just take the throne right away. This doesn't make any sense. Like, right. What, she doesn't get to just, she this just doesn't get to walk in there and be like, I'm queen. Thanks. Like. <laughs> I know. So, I'm glad we had similar reactions because I saw that and I immediately was like, wait, what? No. Huh? Why? How? Yeah. I was. Who? It was. Where? It was visceral for me. I was like, I was, I, I was very mad. But of course I was like, I, I'm, I'm still going to keep reading, but also I'm angry. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the beginning, right? So like the first chapter, okay. This is also really funny. So I think we're going to have to come back to the first chapter because it will also tie into some of my notes about the end of the book. But of course, so the first chapter is like a couple pages worth of information about Smithy in Alpatar, which is fine, like whatever. But then, you know, it jumps into the good stuff, as we call it, um, which I was very grateful for. That I like that. I, that we actually get the process of her taking. Yes. Yes. But yes, you'll have to remind me that we do have to go back to like the first chapter when I talk about my note at the end, if I don't remember myself. Um, I'll try, but there's no guarantee. (laughs) Right? Um, I'm not writing it down, so therefore it may not be remembered. That's totally fine. So I, um, I loved, 
Like, yes, there was some fighting, of course, in her taking back power, but I loved that it was, it was truly an instance of people were waiting for her to be back, you know, like for the most part, like people were waiting and excited for her to be like back in power. Um, Like it wasn't this huge violent uprising that was required to transfer power. Exactly. Um, And God, I just kept getting, I was struck time and again at just how like, and it's interesting because this is really the first time that we're seeing her sink into her truest self, but she's brilliant. Like all of, like I have notes a little bit farther on, but like, all of the little things, like, and the contingencies that she thinks of, and, like, all of these things, I was, like, I would be so bad at that. Because I would, like, even if I had the thought about the contingency, like, keeping track of all of the threads, I would forget half of them, probably, at least. Like, right? <laughs> like, I think, I think we've both learned through this book that our true calling is not to be the leader of a country is really what it comes down to. Like, that's the biggest lesson I learned. Yeah. (laughs) Is that that is not for me. I would not be good at that. That is not in the cards for Alex. Got it. Um, Exactly for that reason. Yeah. Being that on top of things and juggling so many things at once. Yeah. And just always, always being on top of something before it happens. And oh, yeah. That being yeah. proactive thing? No, no. I'm much better. Oh, is that what that's called? Yeah. I'm much better at being <laughs> reactive um, than proactive. Um, just keeping it real. Um, <laughs> so one of my first notes um, is just, it was the first moment that I was like, oh, Stalia. <laughs> Um, and it was on page 26 of the paperback version, and it's where Cerulea is, um, they're planning how they're going to get into the throne room, and she's standing and she's talking with Nana and Stalia and Tillum, and I think that's it. I don't know. There might be more people there. I can't remember now. Um, and, (laughs) um... Oh, no, she, I'm sorry, she had been talking just to Nana, and then Stalia and Tillum show up, and Cerulea's like, what are you two doing here? Like, go back, go to sleep, like, you don't have to be involved in this. And, um, Stalia says, um, oh, and then Nana told Tillum that she might need his help, but then they were going to try to keep Stalia out of it. And she woke up when he was trying to tiptoe out of the room, which I just had this adorable picture of, like, nine to ten-year-old Tillum, like, doing, like, the super over-exaggerated, like, tiptoeing, but then, like, also finding the creakiest floorboards in each of the steps he was taking. Um, Because, like, young... First of all, young kids are not the most (laughs) stealthy, and especially not young boys. (laughs) Um, But she comes in and she says, um, she's like, I woke up when he tried to get out of the suite. 
I don't understand what's happening, but I'm not going to be left, or I will not be left out. And I was just like, look at, like, she, she has no idea what's going on, but she's going to be there to support her daughter. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, you're a a little gem. And I just loved that. That's the kind of mom that I want to be. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. But I'm, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and then my my next one um, is sort of at the end of that chapter. Just and it just ties into how much I loved Stalia almost immediately in this book. Um, is when she realizes who Cerulea is because up, up until this point she does she still doesn't know who she is, and she looks at her son and she goes, "I made the princella cl- clean our chicken coop." <laughs> and like, just like immediately I was like that's hilarious of course she's having some comedy in this stressful situation um but I love that. yeah that was just my first those were just my, my first couple notes and, and really what sealed the deal on me loving Stalia yeah she's a great character yeah. Do you want to talk about this? An amazing artist, too. I love the descriptions yes. of her, like, how she sees things and the tapestries that she creates. I wish I could, I wish those could be real and I could see them in person because I just know that they're stunning. Yeah. Like when she's picturing um, Cerulea and the catamounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk about that whole her in the throne room scene. Do you have any notes about it? No. So my first note happens right before we go back to the free states. Oh, uh, snap. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, it was a, a while. I think at the beginning I was just like, I need to keep reading. Like, let's I totally going. get it. Um, so I, like I already mentioned, I loved, that her whole entrance wasn't, I mean, it was violent, but not, I mean, the violence wasn't instigated by her or her people, you know, like she gave them ample opportunity to not be violent, yeah. um, which I thought was wonderful. How can I tell you, I, even though we were 40 pages into the book, mm-hmm. the minute that they mentioned that there was an archer on the balcony and then she went down. I was like, she's dead. She's dead. I was like, <laughs> don't ask me what I thought the rest of the book was going to be about. Right, right. Because this main character that the author has invested all four books in. I know. It, it was... makes sense that she's going uh... to get rid of her in like, the first couple of chapters. Yeah, I mean... I'm glad your mind remembered that and didn't overreact. Yes. I mean, that's me. I never overreact. I am... No. I'm a very sensible, not overreacting kind of person. So I'm glad yeah. that you recognize that about me. Um, especially when I'm... Re- character trait that you have. Yeah. Especially when I'm reading. I never yeah, over... Books, yeah. For sure. I never overreact when I'm reading books. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> please note the sarcasm so then my next my <laughs> next note is really so that whole thing went over well I thought she showed real 
um, wisdom and strength in how she treated the people and even the people that were um, very evidently against her. Like she still treated them fairly and like didn't just like slaughter them where they stood, which also she would have been totally within her right to do like, you know, like in history, that is a very valid way to <laughs> get your power back. Um, and, but, so it's really interesting. So, right, we're in the scene in the throne room, and then someone pushes Matwick off the balcony. They're like, and at first I was like, he's dead already? Like, I mean, I'm glad, but also like... So first he's dead, then the queen's dead. What's the, what's the rest of the who's de- Who's about? dead? Who's alive? Exactly. Um, but, and then very quickly afterwards, they're like, oh no, he's fine. Well, alive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, but very shortly after that, they're just moving into the next step so quickly. I had this fleeting thought and I was like, uh, what did I write down? Because I didn't, I didn't even have like a page number that this happened. It just like came through my mind. And I was like, who's watching Matwick? I was like, Cause there was, after there was, after they were like, he's alive, but injured, there was like no mention of him. And I was like, uh, (laughs) and then my next note is, of course, he's fucking gone. (laughs) Like that's, cause I was like, way to go, way to go. Um, Oh, and actually, I guess I technically skipped a part, um, but only it was, she, um, it's the part where she's talking to Vilki, Vil, why can't I remember what his name is? Vil. Her, her steward or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, I don't remember what his name is. Vilkit, Vilkit. Um. And I just loved that she had this passing moment because he's like flattering her and like she's still at the point where she's like, he seems fine. Her dogs are like, he's, he's maybe questionable, but not overtly dangerous or anything like that. Um, But he keeps like flattering her and she has this beautiful moment where she's like, um... I just just surreally had grown irritated by all this flattery and Vilkid's stress on her femininity, femininity, but she heard the practical wisdom in his his advice. So like, even in that moment where she's irritated and she's like, why do you keep talking about me having to be in a beautiful gown? But even in that moment, she's still also paying attention to the value in what he's telling her, you know? And I was like, just like, yeah. I agree with that, but at the same time, you're bringing up something that I was a little frustrated about, actually, oh. in terms of how she dressed. Okay. Like, it it felt to me like she kind of let people walk all over her in that regard. Interesting. Like, in that one instance. Like, in other areas, she more so listened to her advisors, took it into consideration, and then made a decision. Mm-hmm. 
And while she kind of did that with the dresses and that people told her that it's important to dress a certain way, it seemed like she kind of just gave in Mm. and let herself be a puppet in that. Okay. Because I'm sure she saw the validity of that statement, but it still seemed like whenever she was getting dressed, there was such a reluctance in what she was doing And I felt like, well, maybe she could have met them halfway or, like, only dressed a certain way sometimes Mm -hmm. and could be more herself in how she dressed another time. Like, I I felt like for me... Yeah. And maybe that's not an important thing and maybe I am (laughs) making too much of it and she didn't actually capitulate. She she truly recognized the importance of it and she was doing it for a reason. Yeah. Um, But to me... So that's interesting. So I had a slightly different reaction to that. Part of it for me was it seemed like a her picking and choosing her battles kind of situation. Like, okay, I can give up wearing pants or a split skirt. They call it split skirt. I assume that that means pants. Um, Because truly a split skirt seems like a very dumb idea. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, but I am assuming that they mean pants. Um, And, um, but especially when it's earlier on, like we see her putting her foot down more later, but especially early on, I saw it a little bit as a picking and choosing her battles. Okay, yes, I'll let them dress me up because I need them to do X, Y, Z. The other thing that I saw it as is a little bit of just her... Um, sort of just chafing at her new station, like just her settling into mm-hmm. life at court again, right? Like maybe she didn't truly hate what she was being put into. It was just that she was like, oh, I'm not used to this. Like this is just... Right. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of opinions. It's a lot of... Whoa. Um, But um, one of my... Uh, one of my favorite parts we're using that much more loosely than my actual favorite parts that still kind of made up the whole book Um, (laughs) uh, was when uh, she meets the seamstress for the first time and the seamstress comes flying in she right Um, and I loved that scene of her putting in her in her place like so good we love a strong woman. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I was like, you go, girl. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of my notes about how brilliant she is was shortly after that when they had, they were returning the stone but she had the brilliant idea to set it up where she still gets her information and gets to make a big show of returning the stone to the Rotherodians. <laughs> I, the Rother people. I don't know what you, how you refer to them. Um, they refer to them, not you, all of them, whatever. Um, like, that's not something that I don't... I don't think I would have come up with something like that. How, like, what did you... Yeah, I, I agree. 
this was another instance of like, and this is why Alex would never make a good ruler. <laughs> because it's not that she's scheming, because that makes it seem a bit more like underhanded. Right. But she is. She's yeah. always trying to figure out how to get what she needs done for her country in the best way possible using the resources that she has available, which means doing something like what she did with the truth stone. Right. I loved that whole scene. Like, I thought it was amazing. I loved that she got the information she needed. And I also loved that it wasn't her... I mean, yes, she certainly asked questions, but I loved that it wasn't just her asking questions. I love that they thought it out so clearly that they had a specific people asking about a, things that they they would know what to ask about around those situations. Like, because it, it could have gone so poorly, right, if she was the only one asking questions. Like, how does she know which questions to ask? Like, you know, because a huge chunk of that, she wasn't even in the castle. She wasn't even in... The country, you know, so like just even the the brilliant steps of her um, having the forethought to even invite these individual people who would know the right questions to ask. And I was like, man, I had the same thought you did. I was like, I could not have done that. <laughs> Ellen, <laughs> Ellen would not have done that as well. <laughs> Um, it was definitely I really I really enjoyed all of those aspects of the book like you said your your favorite parts yeah like just seeing her in her beginning days of ruling yeah and making those decisions and doing a lot of it pretty successfully yeah for someone absolutely so absolutely I um I had one prediction that did not pan out um, at this point of the story. Okay. Um, I, so she's assembling her, her council and she's talking about the different types of counselors that she wants or they're talking about it. I don't even actually remember who's talking about it. And she's talking about how she wants some of the gentry, but she wants some common folk and she wants, um, you know, uh, she wants th there to be an even distribution of who's on her council. And then they get to the last part where they're like, we need someone who has traveled and can advise on foreign affairs. And my first thought was, that's how she's going to get Thalen back there. Because he's traveled a lot and he, re oh. and he remembers everything that he's ever read. Like, who else would be a better advisor in that capacity and mm -hmm. they actually pick a someone who seems to do a great job at it but that was my initial i was like that's how we're gonna see him again because also at this point we had had so many chapters of just cerulea i was having this horrifying like sinking feeling and i was like are we just done with the other characters <laughs> like <laughs> um yeah i Okay. Like, my first note was, where, like, where's everyone else? Like, why, why 
why are we only talking about what's happening in, happening in Warrendale? Yeah. Like, and it was getting to the point where I was like, I want to know what's happening with these other characters in these other states. Like, why, especially with all the other books, the author went back and forth between all of the storylines relatively quickly. Like, you weren't ever really spending a ton of chapters in one place for a very long time. Yeah. So the opening of this book was very odd in that way. Yeah, it was, and, it was like, like a hundred and... I took that note down on... And then, like, a couple pages later, we finally get yeah. to a new character, new place. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Maybe it's the universe answering my prayer. Yeah. I write it down, and then it comes into being. Yes. Um, yes. But but I also had this feeling, though, or I had this worry, I should say, not feeling. So, yes, I had the thought. I was like, is this, are we just not going to hear about anybody else? And then the first chapter doesn't even have Thalen in it. Because, of course, I did want to hear about everybody else, but really I just wanted to know how Thalen was going to get to the queen um <laughs> let's be realistic here we're team we're team Thalen right we need their romance yeah. to happen so like I was um like yes I wanted to know about everybody else but let's be honest I was really like where's Thalen what's he doing when's he gonna be in the kingdom um and so the first chapter not even having him in it like the first chapter of not it being about Cerulea because it was about Quinneth and Destra and I was like oh for fuck's sake I was like <laughs> I, I was like because then at that point I had the sinking feeling that we weren't going to hear about Thalen until like the end of the book and I was like I mean I'm gonna keep reading but also man but then of course kind of like your instance where you're like are we not going to hear about anybody else and then a couple pages later you heard about that sort of, I was like, we're not going to find out about him till the end of the book. And then, like, I turned the page and it was like, Thalen. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that I appreciated the budding romance of Destra and Quinneth. And I that was... was so here for it. I, I literally wrote down, like, I am so, didn't see this coming, but I am so here for it. All, yeah, all I wrote was Quinneth and Destra? Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> um... Like, I initially thought she was way older than Quinnis, and there's definitely an age gap. Yeah, they say, like, 15 years or whatever. Yeah. I thought it was more than that. Yeah. Uh, Usually, I'm not a big fan of huge age gaps. Um, Mostly just for me personally. Yeah. Because I was was about to be, like... 10 years older or 10 years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, So... Because of that, I should be fine with anyone else's relationships that are like that. But it, it clouds my... It happens. Interest. You know, everybody has their... I'm going to say biases, but it's, you know, it's... Because technically, yes, it's a bias. But everybody has their, you know, um, things. Um, yeah, I was totally surprised by it, but I, I'm also here for it. And I wish that there would have been more. Because, like, you get that little tidbit, and then it was kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah, that's true. Um, so I know, so speaking of your least favorite parts, not that we were directly just speaking about it, but that was my flawless transition. Did you like it? It was super flawless. <laughs> um, my, my next note is... Um, the thoughts that Thalen had 
after hearing that the queen had returned. Okay. Um, because it made me laugh out loud. Um, right, so he hears about the queen returning, and then he just thinks to himself real quickly, or sorry, says it to himself, or to Helena, actually. And he goes, now she appears. After all the fighting's over. And I went, <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I thought the same exact thing. Like, just you wait. Yeah. Like, you're going to take back that thought. Right. Soon, sir. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Uh, so, my next note actually came a little bit before this it was right when we finally see Balin for the first time okay and it's the description of all of the raiders who are still with him and are left okay and the fact that they describe Jossel as the traumatized I know I was like oh poor baby you just want to hug him right and then I felt like a bad person because I thought no. that was a funny discussion. I totally, I know. I, I, don't worry. I had the same feel or reaction to it. Um, I, yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, the traumatized, like, like that's how he's known I'm, for the rest of the book. Like, oh. I know. And I just wanted to give him a big hug and, right. uh, yes, um, I just love the Raiders so much. I just love all of them. <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel about them going back to the Solarium? I thought it made sense. Um, I thought it was... Um, for a lot of the reasons that are laid out very nicely in the book, um, I thought it made sense um, because... Especially for Thalen, and then of course it just made sense to me that the Raiders would follow him. Um, But he had outgrown his home and he had outgrown, uh, outgrown is maybe not the right word for the family side of it. Um, But he, he's not the same Thalen who left, you know, and it's hard to put a square peg into a round hole, you know, like he loves his family and his family knows that, he loves them and he knows his family loves him but it's just not the right fit anymore and he had to do what was best for them and for him you know and he couldn't offer them what they needed and they couldn't give him what he needed you know yeah what did you think about it I was disappointed that that's where they were going and that seemed like a more permanent place that they were possibly going to stay yeah. at for a very long time. Like this could be their new home base yeah. kind of thing is how it, I perceived it. And yeah. I was disappointed because to me, Thalen is such a charismatic leader that I was like no you're you have more purpose in your life like you have more to give the world than 
just being a teacher at this school. Like, yeah. Yes. I, and I know I shouldn't say just being a teacher at this school because that is a very important thing and a really great position. Yeah. And teaching is amazing. But so it's, I just didn't think that was the right place for him. And for me, stopping there made sense if it was just like a stop and they were going to keep going. But I didn't get the feeling that they were just going to stop there. It seemed much more permanent. And I was like, mm, no, this doesn't feel right to me. That's interesting. So I had similar thought processes, but um, I didn't, because I was holding out hope that they were going to end up in Cascada, um, I knew that it could be permanent for a short amount of time. Um, but I did not um, think that it was like for going to be for the duration of the book. Um, but also I think for exactly what you said, um, you know, he, he is such a good leader, but he's also a reluctant leader. Like you see, you see, yes, he's good at it, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't like that responsibility of, of being in charge of all of these lives and making decisions for these lives. So that's part of why it made sense to me that he was going back there. Um, which is just so cool. Like we we read the same words and we had similar thoughts, but came to very different conclusions. That's what I just love about reading. Um, I, um, I had a prediction around that time, um, that, uh, did come to fruition. Um, but it, it, I don't think we can really call it a prediction because it seemed pretty evident that that's where things were going. But like, (laughs) but you never know in books, right? Like, even if something seems evident does not necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen. Um, but, um, it's when she's meant, uh, when Cerulea is talking to her counsel about, um, create, like, because they're talking about, like, you've never celebrated your coming into power. And she's like, it feels weird for me to celebrate that in light of all the money that Matt Wick stole and all of the atrocities that his people put on the people and all of that. And she's like, but how about we celebrate those who have died and those who fought and our allies? And I had this moment where I was like, that's how they're getting there. <laughs> I was... Yes. <laughs> I would like to now note that this is the way they're going. Right, because at that point they had filled the position that I thought she was going to invite Thalen to fill. So of course I was like, okay, that's not right. Time to make a new prediction. And I was, and then that was it. I was like, that's how they're going to get there. Um. And thankfully I was right, because like, what? Thank goodness they got together and were actually able to be together and neither one of them died or something like I know. that. Or the closer and closer I was, we were getting to the end. Uh, yeah. Ugh. I was, I was getting real nervous the closer we were getting to the end. Um, so my neck, neck, my, my next note is about Matwick. Um, what's, what's on your note list there? So my next note says, I like the dancing way that the Zellish explain intimacy. Yes. Right? I do. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really I have a whole, we have a whole thing. I'm not going to say I, because I'm talking to you. We have a whole 
get ready. We're, we're going to have a whole conversation about CLO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but my next note is about Matwick um, and his reckoning. And I just, that could have also been a favorite part of mine because I was so ready for him to get what was coming to him. And I loved that she didn't hold back. Like she, like, let it be the reckoning that he deserved, you know? Like, and also just like the sheer, I'm going to say brilliance, but I don't think brilliance is quite what I mean, but like strength. Let's go, let's go with strength. The sheer strength of choosing his sentence being, we're just going to let him dehydrate and succumb to his illness and no one's allowed to help him. I was like, like, yeah, to me, I really liked that part because it's really justice. It's not revenge. Yeah. And you really see that in the way that she approaches how she deals with him. And you can tell like, yes, she's really becoming a good ruler and putting her country before her own needs and Mm -hmm. wants and, you know, becoming wiser and, Mm -hmm. That's really demonstrated in that part of the book. Oh my god, that's a beautiful way. Oh my god, Alex, that's a beautiful way to describe it, because you're right, and I didn't think of it quite like that, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm brilliant and a genius and whatever. I mean, you you are, so, (laughs) duh. Um, My next note just says, Thalen's letter, lol. Um, I think it's him trying to pen... Another one of your favorite parts, um, him trying to write the letter before, um, the... Oh, yeah, when he kind of just, like, wrote it in his head and was like, oh, what am I gonna say to this queen? Yeah, he's... (laughs) I just loved, dear queen, of course... Also, I just loved that it was just dear queen. It wasn't, like, Queen Cerulea. No, it was just dear queen. Of course, you don't know me, but could you possibly be the quiet, sore-footed woman who rode with the raiders in Oromondo? I, I played the fife and you sang, question mark? I felt <laughs> <laughs> I fell for you, but was too much of a coward to admit it, question mark? By the way, <laughs> this was my favorite part of this whole head letter that he was writing. Mm-hmm. By the way, I saw you die from the Magi's fireball, so how did you get to Cascada and on the throne? <laughs> And I just loved seeing that side of Thalen again, because we saw that before everything happened, right? You saw his more witty side and all of that. And I loved seeing that come back out. But I just was like almost crying. I was laughing so hard. Like, I was, by the way, I saw you die. So like, how'd you get there? Like, (laughs) like, how are you living? Yeah. I know. I just thought it was. Did you learn there? I just thought it was so funny and so endearing. And if I hadn't already been in love with him, that definitely would have just added to it. I mean, it already added to it, but like that would have pushed me over the edge, is what I mean to say. Um, Fair. Because he's he's pretty great. um, And then I don't think I have any notes until 
the Rotherod royals come. So. Oh, okay. So let me get into a couple of my notes. Yeah. So, I want to hear them. Of course, I had notes every time their my least favorite parts occurred. <laughs> so that. I want to hear what you wrote down for each of them. <laughs> okay. The first time I wrote, dang it, of course the broadsheet the Raiders had ink blotting out the details of Srulia gaining the throne. Ugh. And then... Ugh. More ugh. Ugh. Thalen and Srulia are being kept apart right when Thalen was going to write her letter. He got distracted by the Oro deserters. And by the way, I'm actually wearing Ugg boots right now. So that I was just going to say, did you put Ugg boots on? I did. I, I have them on. Um... Damn it, the note was undelivered! <laughs> Six exclamation points. And this has made me super nervous and I can even feel it in my body. <laughs> and I can even feel it in my body? Yeah. Okay. That was like, like my... Yeah, your visceral my reaction. ...of my physical reaction. <laughs> so those were my notes about my least favorite parts. But then, I don't know where this was mentioned, but this bothers me so much I think it might be my second most bothersome aspect of incorrect grammar when authors use hung instead of hang because they're very different if you're going to have the past tense of hanging a picture frame it is hung but if you are saying the past tense of someone being hanged by a rope, it is hanged. That is the proper... Are they interchangeable? No. You're supposed to use hmm. hanged for someone being, like, hanged. That's that's I'm, very interesting to me because the author is, like... A professor. Yeah. Yes, I, I am... 99.5% positive that that is correct. Oh, I'm so intrigued. Are you looking it up? No. Okay, that's uh, fine. I will. <laughs> okay, you can. Yeah, after I've made that whole declaration that it bothers me so much, watch it actually be incorrect and that that is totally acceptable grammar. <laughs> Or I've seen it sometimes where people will say hanged when they mean, when they should say hung. Sure. So, let's see here. Like, I'm pretty sure they're not interchangeable and they're meant for specific The standard rule for the past tense of hang is this. In almost all situations, you should use the word hung. I hung a picture of Noah Webster on the wall. After school, she hung out in the library. Use hanged when referring to a piece... To a people, to a person, being suspended by a rope around the neck until dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if um, if there are multiple <clears throat> rules or like different versions of grammar. Yeah. So I um um so I, as you know, Alex, um have studied some linguistic anthropology in my time. I'm not an expert, so 
let's just put that out there. Um, but they, t in linguistics, most specifically, they talk about the prescriptive or descriptive definitions of words or uses of words, I should say, not definitions. And this is where the I'm not an expert comes in because I can't remember <laughs> which one is which. But <laughs> um, one of them means the way the word was intended to be used. And the other one means the way that society has deemed it okay to also use the word. So um, technically... This would be a much cooler... Right. This would be a much cooler knowledge point if I could remember which one meant which. Right. So it's one of those things where grammatically it's incorrect, but because of how society uses it, it then eventually becomes grammatically correct because everyone uses it a different correct. way. And everyone has, has deemed that okay. Um, okay. I looked it up. So a descriptive usage is um, how society has deemed it appropriate to use the word. And prescriptive is how it's supposed, quote unquote, supposed to be used, um, whether in the dictionary or... So I wonder if that's... Can I tell you, I, I, I do know that hanged is used when you're talking about people who are being hanged. Um, but I guess I, I guess I thought it was interchangeable. So that's interesting because I... Yeah, I, I thought they were for very specific uses. And anytime I saw that, I was like, no, that's incorrect. That is proper grammar. <laughs> um, so speaking of grammar becoming proper because of how it's used in society. Yes. I'm afraid that my least favorite or the thing, I guess the thing that bothers me the most about how people use grammar improperly is going to, is already becoming acceptable in society. And so therefore it will no longer become improper grammar. And it already drives me crazy, and it's only become more popular within the past couple of years of people using adverbs incorrectly or not using an adverb and instead using an adjective. And it just drives me crazy, especially when you see it, like, on TV. Okay. Like, a news anchor, like, someone who's well-educated and should know how to speak properly and then they don't, and you're just, I, uh... Just to play the devil's advocate, who decides what the proper speak, like, who decides which way of speaking is the right way? Right. I'm talking grammatically. I, me too. Who, who gets to decide that? I don't know. Whatever <laughs> handbook I had to use when Miss Breach's class. Right. <laughs> the beauty that's the beauty of language is that it's in it in and of itself it's kind of its own living thing and it changes and um grows yeah <laughs> 
But speaking of, this is going to be a great segue, right? Speaking of language, (laughs) I... And we're back to the book. I, again, in this book, there are multiple times, most specifically when Cerulea was talking to Cielo, that I would have to reread his sentences multiple times to understand what the hell he was saying. <laughs> and, and it bothered me because, as she pointed out, in like, as Cerulea thinks to herself in the last book, she realizes that he changes it depending <laughs> on what, like, how official he needs to seem to be. And I'm like, no. Right, but also, like, why are you making this unnecessarily... Sir, why are you making this unnecessarily difficult? You're using 18 words to say three words worth of information. Like, <laughs> it's a character quirk. <laughs> it is It is a character quirk, and it's great, because it does make him endearing, right? Especially when you know that he's doing it for, aff- um, for affect. <laughs> um, but, yes, it was just really funny, because there were multiple times that I had to read it his sentences multiple times and then I would be like oh well why didn't he just say this (laughs) instead of whatever the heck he just said um so I do want to talk about him like I said but my next note I want to know before I say my part of it I want to know how did you feel when the Rortharad royals the king and the prince came to the castle and it seemed like her and the prince were a little bit like moony eyed at each other this is what i wrote down (laughs) no cerulea cannot be thinking of sacrificing her love of phelan to marry the rotherod prince i don't care that i even like him he needs to be with phelan (laughs) did you I'm sorry, you wrote down, I don't care that I like him? Yeah, I don't care that I like the prince. Yeah. Like, that doesn't matter to me. I am Team Thalen. Um, that's so funny. So I had a similar feeling to um, this, because as we're all learning, as you know, Alex, I am a sucker for a good love triangle. So I was ready for it to be a love triangle and I was still, and again, I was pretty secure in the fact that if they lived to the end of the book, (laughs) that it was going to be about Thalen and Cerulea. So so you're okay if there was a little something, something. Yeah, like, why not? She can have a little fun. He's certainly making moon eyes at, maybe not moon eyes, but he's certainly checking out the other lady, whatever her name was, Helena. Um, or whatever, you know, so, like, there was certainly, like, there was, I was ready for it, but I was ready for it to be, like, a love, I was almost ready for it to be a love square. Mm-hmm, with Cielo, too. Yes. Like, um, because, like I said, again, I was pretty secure in the fact that, in the end, the person whose team I was most on was going to be the winner if they were all alive by the end of the book. <laughs> mm, that's 
it was a big if um uh but as we were getting into the book more and more i was less worried about them not making it to the end mm-hmm. um so yeah so my first note is when they came in or when they got to the castle my note just says a new suitor ooh <laughs> Um, and then... So you were more accepting and open to the possibility. Yeah! Why not? Um, sow your wild oats, lady. Uh Um, and especially after her whole discussion about... So when she and Cielo were talking, um, after they went riding together, and they had that beautiful discussion about intimacy and the different types of intimacy and the different types of sexual relationships you can have as an adult um with another consenting adult um and like him talking about how he didn't realize that she didn't know all the different types of (laughs) relationships that you could have or relations that you could have um, and then, but there was that little part where he was like, you weirs are so, like, fr- like, frigid about this stuff. And so, like, he, he had this teaching moment to her. So I was like, yeah, girl, go, go dance for one night. Wink, wink. <laughs> like, <laughs> go dance for a couple nights. Like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, do what you gotta do. Um, uh, of course, nothing really came of that, but I was I was ready for her to, you know, she's ruling by herself, like, <laughs> you know, take some stress off. Um, my next note just says CC and the catamounts, um, which is CC is the, her little white terrier, right? And it's the scene where. Well, they're in the throne room because they're by the... Oh, ca- where basically Cece's like, I'm in charge, and the countermounts are like, you're hilarious. You think you're in charge? Yeah. Okay. Um, just the cute little bit where she was like... It, it goes back to your favorite part in maybe even the last two books, I think, about the interactions with the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved... Um, when Cerulea's like, Cece, don't you ever know when to back down? Those big cats could eat you in a bite. And Cece says back, One doth nay care how big or fierce they be. Regard the cheeky way they hold their tails. (laughs) But one is pack leader. They must recognize one's precedence. And then Cerulea is like... And it, it seemed like one of those, like, long-suffering mother moments where she was like, yes, yes, okay. Because then she immediately is just like, catamounts, please don't eat her. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, I understand she's annoying, but I like her, so can you just not eat her? <laughs> like, like, when she realized she wasn't going to change Cece's mind, she was like, okay, fine. Catamounts, please don't eat this annoying little duck. <laughs> Um, but I thought that was hilarious. That is really cute. I appreciate 
appreciated that part too. Um, so sure. what was your note when he didn't get the letter sent out? Um, oh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, it was just, damn it, the note was undelivered. And this has made me super nervous and I can even feel it in my body. Yes, got it. Because my note, that my next note is about him not getting the letter. And mine was just in all caps, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yeah, five no's. He didn't get the note to Thalen. And then six exclamation points. <laughs> um, Because... I definitely had a very similar react. I mean, I, mine was not visceral. Mine was like, I did not have a physical reaction to it, but I was very much like, of course. Because <laughs> why would it go smoothly? <laughs> exactly. Um, How could we possibly ask for a book that? allows things to happen in the time frame that you think it should happen in. <laughs> right. Um, and then my next note um, just says self-reflection 332. See, you know, dear past Ellen, can you be a little less vague in your <laughs> <laughs> um, So that sounds very different than my next note. Interesting. You want to hear what my next note is? Yeah. OMG, oral soldiers on Pellish ships with poison to infect the waters? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So this, this will also link with my wanting to talk about Cielo. So do you want to okay. talk about, let's talk about yours next. No. Wait. We can talk about yours. Good, because yours will link into some of my later notes. Okay. Um, so self-reflection just means I've discovered <laughs> in looking. So there's a part where she's thinking directly to herself after she's talked to Cielo um, because she's realized that he's in love with her and he's been like, so, of course, protecting her and doing a fantastic job of it, but has become possessive of her. Um, and a little obsessive of her. Um, and again, not in like a, a, a physically dangerous way, but definitely in a way that was hurting him, you know, like that he didn't even, that he was okay with. Um, but I just loved that she had this moment where she said to herself, it is past time that I take responsibility, if not literally for my own security, um, then for my own sense of safety, um, which I thought was really interesting and then um there's a part where she also says her self selfishness had ended up wounding him and she berated herself for exploiting his devotion in this manner for so long um and i just thought like it is so difficult in general but i will just say you know especially for me to admit when you've been wrong or admit when you've done something whether you were fully conscious of it or not that was not the right thing to do oh yes i am 
very bad <laughs> at recognizing and acknowledging that I've done something wrong. Instead, I'll totally deny it. <laughs> yeah, most people will. It's a self-preservation yeah. thing, right? And um, it was just, for me, yet another instance, in especially in those two little passages, and I accidentally read them to you in the wrong order, but in those two passages where she admits what she did wrong and she admits that she probably knew longer than we knew that she knew that he was in love with her. Um, at least subconsciously she knew and that she was letting him do that because of this protection that he offered her and was using him, you know? And, um, but I just, I just, like, but she had no hesitation in admitting her mistake there. And I was like, I cannot wait till I get to that point in time. Because, <laughs> like, I'm right? certainly, I'm certainly probably better than I used to be at admitting when I've made a mistake. But I am certainly not at that level. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, because it's difficult and it's, and it can be embarrassing to admit that you've, you know, messed up or whatever. So I was just, yet again, I was so proud of my girl, <laughs> of our girl, um, for just being an outstanding human, mostly. Um, how did you feel about the whole Cielo thing, though? Because that, I understood why she had to let him go, but I was, I was a little sad. I, I almost feel like, she should have given him the option to stay. Yeah. Like, been like, I recognize how you feel about me. We need to acknowledge that it's not going to happen. Now that you know that nothing's going to happen between us, do you still want to stay with me and offer me protection? And can you do that as well as you could before, knowing that there's, like, no hope of us being together? Yeah. <laughs> Um, versus just saying, making a decision for him and how they're... For sure. Um, I do, I, I do totally understand that. I think, though, that the biggest issue for her was that she was not romantically attracted to him, but her issue was that she was still sexually attracted to him. And so I think part of it for her was that she she could see that there would may potentially be an instance where she slipped up and uh. and and then hurt him further if she were to slip up and right cuz he has that whole part he's like well can you not deny that you wouldn't be moaning in pleasure if i took you now or whatever he says to her right and like you know so i think Although I do, I do think, I totally agree with you. I do think it's very important to let people make their own choices for their own beings and their own selves um, and, and to not discredit that at all. I think that's why she did it, you know, is because she she needed to make that decision for, her, for herself, which I don't... I don't know why that means it's more important than what needs to be decided for him, but. Okay. That, 
that thought really kind of fell apart at the tail end there. <laughs> we're going really soft for a while. And, and yeah, yeah, it kind See? of off. See? That's why I can't be queen. Because that happens to me far too often that in the middle of my sentence, it just dissolves. So. What? You have to be an eloquent speaker when you're a leader? Yeah, apparently. Um, I would say that's the ideal, but unfortunately, we've definitely seen that is not always the case yeah. in real life. So my next note just says, ah! With all capital letters. In reference to what? Um, in reference to... I believe the Raiders showing up at the celebration. Ah. And most importantly, <laughs> no, it does. It isn't. What am I? Why did I write that? <laughs> because that's not the part. back to that if I remember why I wrote that but um okay, sure. then what was your your next note my next one just says lol <laughs> and that is in reference to so that one was in reference to oh yes I'm so sorry yes I know what the ah was the ah was in reference to the raiders showing up okay mm-hmm. it was uh, it was because there's a page break between where they announce it and then it sort of switches into Thalen's point of view. And that's where I took a moment to write, ah! Okay, yeah. For me, leading up to that moment, the fact that the note didn't get delivered, I was really worried that, like, they weren't going to get together somehow. Like, because of all the miscommunication like, one of, or the other of them wasn't going to be able to forgive the other for, you know, some, something where they, it would keep them from being a couple because of, like, lack of trust yeah. or, you know, something like that. For sure. Mm-hmm. So my, my LOL uh, note, which is the next page, is Thalen and the Raiders are walking up to Cerulea. Thalen's sizing her up. And she, and Cerulea is sizing up the raiders. She's seeing who's... This is her first chance to see who's still alive amongst oh, yeah. her, her friends. And she's like, there's Warith and Canby and Dolligan, but where's Gentane? Where's Uma? And then it switches into Thalen and what he's thinking. And he's like, we face down Waros. We can walk through a crowd with our heads held high. And he's like, oh, sweet Nargis, save me. <laughs> For here, oh, sorry, that's Cerulea. She's like, oh, sweet Narda, save me. Here he is, he's right in front of me, and I'm lost. Does he love me? I don't even know. And then it jumps to Thalen, and he's like, hmm, take away the blue hair, the shining pendant, those fancy clothes, and then immediately he yells out, you're alive! (laughs) And I just loved seeing this generally very eloquent, put-together poised man just blurt out freak out and not only does he just say you're yeah but not only does he just say you're alive he right he yells out you're alive damn your eyes you're alive yeah 
Um, and then I just loved sort of all of the hubbub afterwards of all of the other raiders being like, oh my god! <laughs> like, even though they're in this big ceremonial setting, they're still themselves. And that's what my, but that's what my LOL was, was <laughs> their that reaction was to that. I love that. It was like a little cringeworthy too at the same time. Yeah. Like, there are these they accomplished this great mission and helped the free states and then they can't even comport themselves <laughs> in a ceremony that's meant to honor their bravery and everything. I think they very well could have if it had not been her standing up there, of course. Oh, for sure. Right? I, I, I think that too. Like, because they all thought she was dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Thalen hadn't really shared his thoughts about um, hadn't really shared his thoughts about who she actually was with any of them, right? right. So, like, I think you know, they were inklings, so he didn't want to get anyone's hopes up. Right. They really weren't more than that at that point. Um, my next note just, uh, my next note mirrors my Quinneth and Destra one, and all I wrote was, Surf and Stalia? <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm ready for it. That's right? fine. <laughs> oh, I know. These, like, budding romances in this novel. But also, it's very frustrating because there's a lot of budding romances and then nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I'm like, how dare you dangle that carrot in front of me? And then before I can take it, you're like, just kidding. I know. Yeah, that's definitely... I'm glad you brought that up because I had that feeling too where I really wish we would have gotten a little bit more information and time with the romantic side of relationships. Yeah. I feel like you can't just say there were a lack of relationships in the book because that's not true. Right. There were many relationships, many were strong, many were highlighted and delved into. But really, in terms of the romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. I feel like we... I don't know if it's just that they they weren't central to the storyline, so therefore they were kind of just like additional little, you know, bits and pieces that added to like rounding out right. the story and the universe that she created versus I would have liked to have actually delved a little bit deeper into yes. those relationships. Um, I'm really glad that you said that um, because it will pertain to my next two notes that happened on the same freaking page. Okay, so they reunited. They reunited in the garden briefly and now they were at their banquet they kissed in front of everybody and then they went off to talk together Thalen and Cerulea right yeah and they were talking in her old school room and then they moved to the bedroom um and my first note is when um she um she stops Thalen and she's like I have scars and he says we all have scars um and she's like, you might find them unsightly. And his 
And then I just loved that he said to her, if you trust me enough to show me your scars, I will show you mine. Mine are uglier, even if they do not show. And I just thought it was so beautiful that they were having this beautiful, intimate moment. And especially for him, um, because, of course, so much in the second book um, about his love for her was held back because he didn't think he could share that part of it with her. Like, it just made me so ridiculously happy that he was going to be opening up to her, right, uh, about yeah. this. And then he, she's like, um, you know, she's like, I know you really well, Commander Thalen. And he goes, not as well as you shall by morning. And then they kiss. And then you turn the motherfucking page. <laughs> and you're, you're talking about her uncle. <laughs> and I wrote... Well, that was horrifically anticlimactic. <laughs> I was like, um, I was, I was like, I needed a little bit more time in that romance. Like I needed a little bit more time to celebrate what has been building for basically four books. Right, to, like, process it. It's almost like some of the deaths that happened in the first book. You were yes. just like, wait, did that even, are you sure that happened? Because we just moved on yeah. already, and wait, did, I need to reread this. Like, very similar to that, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so, I was just like, what? No! Um, and then my, my next note just says, it's a trap! Oh, yeah. I, so, did you see that Belfazar, I, cause I totally did not see that. Like, yes, similar to you, I knew it was a trap that, like, them going to see Belfazar was a trap, but I totally thought that he wasn't a part of it and was also a victim. I did, yeah, I, I did so not, surprised. I did not see that part of it coming. Um, I... I thought it was a very interesting way to do that, though, because, of course, it wasn't truly him anymore, like, right? Because we got to see into his his person, especially in the first book, um, but um, I thought it was such an interesting way to turn the tables on us as the reader, you know, because, like... It's true. That's not truly who he was because we saw his inner character previously, um, and and strokes can do that to people, which is horrific and sad, and you know, like, um, but yeah, I no, I did not see that coming. Is the short answer to my long rambling answer? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> my next note just says, "Haha, he stabbed him in the butt." Um, just because there's a note, or not a note, there's a line on the page, and it just says, Thalen rushed up behind a man who was in the midst of exchanging blows with Dolligan. Thalen stabbed him deep in the buttocks with his rapier's sharp point. Um. <laughs> That's such a formal way to describe. I just stabbed you on the butt. I know, but I was like... I touched the butt. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, and then of course I was like, 
Ellen, are you 27 or are you 10? And I was like, 10. <laughs> He's dabbing him in the butt. Like, <laughs> um, laughing at butt jokes and referencing Finding Nemo, we're definitely 10. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Great. That's what I like. To, that's what I like. Um, so my next note is about the assassination attempt on the cliff. Do you have something before that? Uh, no, mine is, like, in the middle of the battle. Okay. I didn't have anything until the battle. Um, so this was just sort of the culmination of my CLO moments. Well, Mm -hmm. to be really grim of any CLO moments. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Actually, my next note is about CLO. Oh, okay. So So I, um... Can I tell you, I completely forgot that he was waiting for her to, like, so, so, like, when he showed up and was like, I told you you'd need me again, I was like, I had just completely, because I was so excited about them being, about Thalen and Cerulea being together, and the trap that they were, I had, like, (laughs) when he showed up, I was like, who the, who are you? Like, for a split second. Because, like, because, like, I had so completely left him behind after their last. I know. I know. And and so then he showed up. And then he has that beautiful scene. And he saves her. And then. And then. um, He's like, told you. <laughs> like, I told you you'd need me. And I was like. There's this yellow that we all know and love. Like, <laughs> it was just, it, it was just amazing. But I was so, I laughed at myself because I was like, way to go. Just completely being like, and he's gone. <laughs> so, do we talk about my CLO note or do you talk about any notes that you have before? I have a couple notes. So, I have a couple notes and one of them is going to go back to the first chapter. So let me tell you, this is a little embarrassing, but I was so into this book that I forgot that the book opened with the Oromondo army. And I completely forgot about those people. For Wait, the... you forgot that they were an <laughs> issue and they could be coming to... Yes, I... Because I was so invested in her coming into power and her being queen and her and Thalen getting together and like all of these steps that I, <laughs> I got. It's like the story's done. I, we're in love. I did the, I did the very foolish thing where I didn't check how much of the book was left when I felt really secure in where the story was. And, and so then, especially when, um, Mickle and Nithanil um, come across the ones who are going to go poison the water. I was like, all right. And then even then I wasn't even thinking about the Oro Mondo army because at that point you didn't realize that the Pella ships were bringing the Oro Mondo army. And so at that point I was like, all right, there's not everything is going well. Okay. And then when they show up with the army in, and I was like, I, again, I had this moment of like, I am such an idiot. Like, 
I, yeah, I had completely, completely forgotten about them. Oh my goodness. I love that. That's so great. Yep. Because in my mind, right, they had burned the city down. And apparently I, and I apparently skipped all of the parts about them from the third book. And was like, yeah, they're not going to need retribution. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, not at all. They're, they're not going to be capable of it. They're not going to. They're not going to be mad. It's fine. Like, yeah, I felt like a complete idiot. Um, when they when they showed up with the army, and I was like, all right. Um. That's so, fantastic. don't tell anyone. <laughs> That I had a thank you. Right, exactly. Um, my next note is about the whales. I, I liked the whales. I did too, but I had this very so when the whales started taking down the ships. Oh, I I think I was more concerned for the whale safety than I was for any of the human safety. Well, yeah, of course, because most of them are bad guys, but. This was also a point. No, 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 just like in the entirety of the battle. Oh. I was like, oh my god, no, don't hurt the whales. Versus like, okay, any of the Werendalians or however you pronounce the people, like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't care as much. That's hilarious. <laughs> so my, um, when the whales, when the boats started shooting the, basically the harpoons into the water... That was I. That was my first instance of getting teary eyed, which I I was like, look at me. Whoa! I know. I was like, look at me. I'm almost to the end of the book. I'm so proud of myself. Um, yeah, because that was really awful. Because they were killing the whales, and I was feeling so sad. Um, <clears throat> but I had an instance um, where, yet again, I forgot a key point or a key piece of information that then caused me anxiety right so I did it with the Oromondo army <laughs> completely right. doing that and then I forgot that Mikkel and Nithinil were on a Pelish ship and so the whales start taking down the boats and I was like oh my god the whales Cerulea doesn't know that her uncle's on this ship or her grandfather, and she doesn't know to tell the whales to not sink those boats. Right. Thankfully, it all worked out, but I had this very anxiety-inducing moment where I was oh, like... me too. I was like, oh, she's going to accidentally kill her family. Like, her only, her only quote, you know, blood family. She's going to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had that same exact <sighs> thought, though it didn't... It seems like that really gave you a ton of anxiety but for me I just had this premonition in the battle that was really sad oh and I don't know maybe you had the same thought because it was kind of obvious that um as soon as Seattle left on smoke that neither of them were going to come back alive out of the battle I don't know if you had that thought at all. Um, I but, d- I didn't. Um, but then, like, when smoke comes back, yeah, that was another very visceral reaction to me. Like, yeah. Oh man, like 
about Cielo, but thank goodness I was wrong about smoke. Yeah, but there's also there's also such a um, horrific feeling, specifically when a horse that had a rider when it left comes back without the rider. Right? Like, that's just, it's like, and of course, we already know that he's dead at that, like, when it, when Smoke comes back to Cerulea. But, like, it's just, it, it's always such, like, a gut punch. Like, oh. Um, I did have one little note before the death of Cielo, and it just says, they have Skittles in Weirindale. I'd like to point out something. Um, and then I meant to look up what the definition of Skittles is. Um, because <clears throat> when they're talking about the um, whales taking down the boats, uh-huh. uh, there's a line in here where, it's set where the, um, the blue whale breached underneath the boat and like tipped it up in the side and then the, the line says pellish oarsmen tumbled out about tumbled about like skittles all losing their oars and two dozen falling overboard and i was like skittles are a candy right like are a very modern candy and so and i meant to look this up beforehand but what does skittles mean do, do, do you know i don't know another meaning for it besides the brand name of that candy. So, according to dictionary.com, a skittle is a nine pin in which a wooden ball or disc is used to knock down the pins. Oh, okay. So basically they're saying like similar to bowling how you have like bowling pins like falling and there's expressions yeah. like that it's similar to okay expression. yep got it okay but yes okay. my first my first thought was oops like she, <laughs> she used a word that maybe she shouldn't have um yeah and so my last note is um about cielo's death uh just in general um it was my first instance of full-on crying um and not like sobbing, but a steady stream of tears coming from my eyeballs. Okay, that's fair. And um, because he, despite the fact that Thalen and Cerulea had that very weird but endearing conversation in front of Cielo, where she was trying to be as diplomatic about the fact that she and Thalen are sleeping together in front of the man who she knows is in love with her. Like, um, which I thought was a very cute, endearing conversation just in general. Um, but, um, um, clearly, Cielo's not dumb. He figures out that (laughs) they're sleeping together. And he goes to save the man that the woman he's in love with is in love with. Right? And so, it was just like, the it seemed kind of like the epitome of his character right it was the honorable thing to do is to save the man that the woman he loves loves right and and then of course just the thing that he says um at the end when Thalen is trying to keep him alive um 
I'm just gonna read it and try not to cry. I think I'm gonna, I think I can do it. <laughs> Tell her, Cielo said, his voice surprisingly forceful. Tell her, I wish her never to be lonely. And you, Commander, may the wind always be at your back. And I just, oh, dang it, there it is. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was, it was a beautiful way to say goodbye to, um, his character because it is the honorable thing to do. And, but just like, how beautiful is it that he sacrificed his life for this man and still, even in his dying moments, gave him basically like a blessing, like, right? Like a you know, I hope you live a long and happy life. Like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I was just, yeah, I just thought it was beautiful. And I'm very sad that he died, but it's the death that he deserved. You know, he talked about all of his, the killing that he did that he's not proud of and all of that yeah. stuff. And, and it seemed like a death that yeah. he could be proud of. Yeah, he got to die honorably. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just wanted to talk about their daughter. Yeah, so... Before we talk about their daughter... Yeah. I wanted to talk about... Nicole dying and Nana dying. Yeah. And. Really? Do you I, want to? Do you? <laughs> Did you like how I totally just skipped right over? <laughs> Where are my um, tissues? I think, we, I think we should talk about them. Especially since like you think that everything is fine. Like, yes, you're given a hint that Nana's going to die before the battle when she says, like, I can just feel, like, my body's, like, yeah, we're almost done kind of thing. But even though she said that and it was such a blatant hint, I was like, there's still hope. Nana can still live. It'll yeah. be okay. And then it didn't happen. But with Mikkel, um, I had such a problem with his character in this book anyways Okay. But then I was hoping that he would kind of redeem himself once he got to Warendale mm -hmm. and got to be with his niece again and help her in her ruling because he really disappointed me in that unlike some of the other agents who could help their spirits and also do other things in life, Mm -hmm. It seemed like he just gave himself over so much to the detriment of everyone else in his life. And I was like, why can't you still be in a loving relationship and be an agent at the same time? Like, Nana is doing just fine with that. Right. And, yeah, his relationships falling apart really were, like, I was very disappointed in his character in this book. And I was really hoping that, like, he comes to save his niece and her kingdom and he'll redeem himself. And then, I mean, yes, he helps in the battle and is willing.
willing to give up his life, and he actually does because of yeah. these internal injuries. Um, but you don't think he's going to die because he's, you know, the battle's over, right. and everyone's there, and I'm like, okay, sure, he helped in the battle, but now he'll help her rule and, like, be a good ruler and tell yeah. her about her mom, and he'll actually redeem himself. Right. In eyes, maybe other people didn't have the same problems with him that I did, but... He doesn't get to do that because he just falls and dies. Yeah. So it's interesting because I had, um, I, my thoughts about that were he had, he felt like he had to throw himself so much into, um, being an agent because he failed to recognize his niece and help her when she was right in front of him. And so that to his dedication to his cause seemed guilt driven to me. Um, and actually not even just about his niece, but um, cause we know he's still more fleetingly, but we know he still probably has some qualms about being the one to actually kill his sister, you right. know, like, um, and so to me, it seemed very guilt driven and him coming to save her and helping fight in the battle, um, was the culmination of his guilt. It, that was the thing that let him in his own eyes redeem himself, you know, so that was his whole story, you know, and, um, and I, unfortunately, uh, I'll admit, I didn't think much about his his wife and, and son. And, you know, like, it just, that didn't so much cross my mind. Um, so, um, but I can definitely understand what you, what you, when I factor in his, relationships with people yes that that makes me a little bit more frustrated with him mm -hmm. yeah but I also see I see the way that you saw his character and his yeah. storyline like that makes sense to me yeah. too um so the good news is, is I didn't cry as much as I thought I was going to okay. um but I definitely cried um mostly and I think what it was was that, and more specifically for Nana than for, for Mikkel, um, but I think what it was for me was that they got to have their reunion, right? Not only in the end of the last book, they got to have their reunion, but they got to have, she and Cerulea, got to have so much time together in, in this book. And of course it was still sad, but they, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, so there was definitely crying, but it was not like, um, it, yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> and I don't want to talk about it anymore because then I'm going to learn crying. Unless okay, you have, so let's talk about their daughter. Unless you have other things you want to talk about about it. <laughs> no, I do. I do want to talk about their daughter yeah and specifically i just absolutely love that jothel is basically like in charge of her yeah i like it just that just made 
made my heart so happy. Yeah. To see that. And she calls him Jojo. place that he could exist and be okay Mm -hmm. and contribute to society and, you know, have a life worth living and... But a quiet yeah. life that's not, mm-hmm. yeah, ugh, I know. Because that whole part when he was like, why would you even want me around? Ugh, gut-wrenching. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I definitely agree. Um, is it weird that my, when they were like, she's a healer, is it weird that I was like, and I don't know why I thought had this thought, but I was immediately, I was like, of course she is. But I don't know why... I said that, like, in my head. Like, I, it just, it it made logical sense to me that she would be a healer, but I don't know why. But now that I'm saying it out loud, I think it's because, I'm going to, I'm going to half-ass this a little bit, um, <laughs> is because she is the culmination of her parents' healing Huh. Let's pretend like that's what I thought the whole time. Okay. I mean, <laughs> the queen's powers are supposed to be given to them because they're what their people will need. Right. And so, like, it makes sense to me, obviously, that she's a healer because that's what her people need from her. Right. Um, but I totally didn't it coming because I didn't understand when they were like these plagues are going through the country that there was something that she could even do about it sure you know yeah um I forgot about that tidbit as well that it was a what the people need thing um yeah yeah and I love can I tell you when they were like she has her father's blue eyes and her mother's blue hair I'm and as someone who's Blue is my favorite color. I was like, that's a lot of blue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too blue for you. I mean, maybe. Like, it really just depends on, like, what, you know, once she's, like, fully grown. Like, what shade of blue. Because if it's, like, same, same, that's going to be too much. But if it's, like, complementary and her hair is more of, like, a blue-green like her mom's, then that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there could be some really cool fan art of, like, what she would look like as an adult. I just love fan art in general, so I'd be willing to look at any fan art of any of the characters, really. Um, Because I love them all. Well, no. (laughs) I don't love all the characters. Just backtrack immediately after I just said that. (laughs) Um, It's okay, I just lied on this podcast. No big deal, whatever. For a second, I was like, you did? And then I was like, oh, you're talking about me again. Um, (laughs) um, Do you have anything else to talk about in this book? I do not. Well, it's over. It's done. Join us next week, and we will do our series wrap. And we will metabolize the whole series a little bit here. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. We are at UPM Pod Official. On Instagram, we're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And um, 
our, my favorite is the Gmail. Send us your book recommendations or your thoughts about the books that we just talked about. Um, or in the spirit of Queen Cerulea, some cute animal pictures <laughs> um, at uniquely portable magic podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye.